broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Lee Cantor here with Stone Payton, another episode of Midtown Business Radio, and we have a very special episode today, don't we, Stone? We most certainly do. This is going to be a lot of fun. I have been looking forward to this segment all week, and uh, we're very fortunate that our good friend Andrea Falls with Popular Genius has brought us uh, some folks that are have an awful lot to say and do and learn and share around innovation. Welcome back to the show, Andrea. Thank you so much for having us. So tell us a little bit about who you brought with you. Can you introduce the folks that we have in the room? Because we're going to have kind of a, we're going to open up it's all just the mics a round table. just have a conversation until Lee gets boring and then we'll go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. I'm really excited to have folks with us from the Netherlands. Um, they represent Wegener Media. It's a hundred year old media company with an amazing history and hyper local roots, but they've been innovating and changing their business as a media company in amazing ways. So we've got both three members from their innovation department here to talk a little bit more about how they're doing that. So I'm just thrilled they chose Atlanta as part of their innovation tour. So it was a it was a good call to have her introduce the company because I would have said Wagner. See that? Yes. <laughs> See? See right off the top. <laughs> exactly. Providing value. That's <laughs> right. Awesome. Adding value. Yes. All right. So so we have Brent, we have Dirk, and Paul. And I'm not going to go for the last names. We'll let them do. Absolutely. Do that. So this is going to be fun. All right, Brent, why don't you uh, start us off? You're the head of innovation. Um, talk about what you guys are doing here in Atlanta and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, well, I am an Atlanta native and uh, went to the University of Georgia. And um, my life took me over to the Netherlands uh, in 1999. And I worked over there until 2008, working with a lot of A-brand companies. And I knew Vaganer Media at that time. And uh, I moved back to Atlanta in 2008 continue to work here on different projects and last year I was invited back to the Netherlands again to work with Wegener Media and to develop an innovation program. And now so before we go further can you just share Wegener Media like explain to our listeners here like what makes them special and and they're a big player in the Netherlands aren't mm -hmm. they? Yeah they sure are. Um, we produce daily newspapers with the reach of the size of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Mm -hmm. So it's like producing Atlanta Journal-Constitutions every day, so very regional. In the Netherlands, the, the country is broken into different regions, and we cover seven of them. We also have 120 weekly newspapers that are distributed to in within our uh, geographic scope. And so what we do is we bring the communities in the Netherlands together with information, news, and valuable content. And that's primarily through newspaper, or is it digital as well? The, his the history of the company is, of course, print-based, uh -huh. and the, we have been making a digital transformation, but we needed to go faster. And that's part of why this innovation team exists? That's right. Um, newspaper the newspaper industry around the world is under pressure. Our business models are changing, and um, we need to evolve and innovate in order to start growing again. And that, uh, do you see it as like our generation, I guess, or is the last generation ha that has visceral memories of, you know, Sunday mornings, reading the paper with coffee and the family, like kind of, a, it was like a gathering place almost for the family in a lot of ways. And the younger generation doesn't have that kind of emotional connection to paper that the older people have. You buying that? No? Yeah. Oh, well. No, I, mm -hmm. Come on, Paul, jump um, in there. Being actually a journalist and being a reporter for... Um, well, you're biased I, right there. <laughs> 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 uh, 
always objective. <laughs> you know how we are as reporters. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Never so biased. Ob- objectively, tell me what's happening with uh, print. Well, I think you see in the that print, we have basically, um, to start with, we're a country where subscription to a newspaper is one of the main, reven- main revenue streams to a newspaper. So okay. on the street sales is not happening at all. Um, and what you see now is that the... Um, Indeed, the millennials and Generation X and Y, they're not really subscribing to newspapers anymore, just like you're seeing over here. Um, And therefore, that's the other reason why the innovation team got started, because we are here to strategically diversify the revenue revenue models of regular media. So you're not saying that I'm going to try to figure out a way to get millennials to like paper anymore, right? You've nope. uh, we've, no. we've all abandoned that. Absolutely <laughs> not. We're, right? we're not going to try to get them uh, buy a newspaper. We've we, actually forbidden that topic <laughs> within <laughs> our company. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, correct. Really? Is that so? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> because, I mean, why would we want to keep continue discussing as a company getting millennials to buy paper? Well, because it's a 100-year-old company that was built on paper. Yes, <laughs> but we need to now uh, we stop. Have, <laughs> we, we have a different opinion about that. It's, it's, we always said we're connecting people on a local base, and we happen to do that. And historically, you, you used, used to use paper. paper. Because there was nothing else, but right. now there's new. There's other things. Exactly. So that's very open-minded, and that's, I guess, the beginning of in- innovation, right? You have to open your mind to different possibilities and maybe see what you were doing in a slightly different light. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the second step would be because you just mentioned the examples of millennials. And if we would, for example, innovate a campaign to get them to subscribe to the paper. But we feel that that's the wrong way to looking at millennials or any other target group. We Mm -hmm. rather would talk about what their authentic demand is and what they want and what their needs are. And then figure out products or services to To serve them, right? And so you're kind of you're kind of flipping the prism to look really in the eyes of the consumer rather than what you guys are, right? You're trying to find out what they need so you can serve them the best you can. Yes. And that's what Dirk was saying is that that is the uh, cornerstone of what this company was built on. Right. Was actually because we are hyper local, we are part of the community. Right. And with 150 newspapers that are very hyper local, yeah, we are our children are in the schools. Our, our, you know, our family is in the hospital. Uh, our government decisions really impact our daily life. Right. And Andrea has been over to the Netherlands to work with us quite a lot, and has we have sent her on a, a tour through the country. <laughs> You've sent her ahead. <laughs> and Go and on, she's yeah. come back with some really interesting information <laughs> for us, but synthesized it in a way that was really meaningful. Maybe you know you can explain that. Well, f- first of all, it was absolutely amazing. I had not visited the Netherlands myself before the opportunity to work with this group. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to go on three different visits, each one two weeks at a time. So think of it as six weeks of immersion. The first trip was able to go, I mean, if you think about the Netherlands, roughly half the size of Georgia from the center of the country, you can travel an hour and a half, be at the coast, be at the be in all these different right. places. Do they have shrimp and grits? You know, <laughs> they do. <laughs> however, stroopwafels, absolutely bitterballin. Ah. Uh, you know, you've there been there all times. <laughs> so they have their they have their their shrimp and grits. Oh yes, yeah. and food trucks and all kinds of amazing things. But the level, um, you know, in the knowledge economy globally, we hear a lot about countries and regions and different areas wanting to brand themselves because you can compete everywhere for everything now. Right. The Netherlands has truly claimed the innovation space in the global knowledge economy. And during my first trip, not only did I see that within the regional areas and meeting with the Wegener team. But you got insights on a hyper-local level that many, many brands are looking for that cannot be created 
it could take 100 years right. to know the inner workings of every street corner and you know what are people going for where local traffic may be absolutely essential you know to a family um, they had an Accenture meeting that's a partner of these guys and saw their great innovation sort of day the people there and the way they discussed their innovation was absolutely amazing. So not only is the culture around them fantastic, the culture of Wegener is fantastic. Now, can you share maybe an example of this uh, global knowledge? Sure. How, how, is it, how is it executed in a hyperlocal manner there that may be different than here? Well, what was interesting is um, in part of these travels, we got a chance to visit with Wegener employees of all kinds. And these are folks who are the feet on the street, for lack of a better term. You know, they're the people who are out actually living in the communities, as Brent noted. Well, we started logging innovations they had come up with in order to meet the needs of their customers proactively. Some of the most interesting, for example, Facebook-based campaigns where they would take 100 influencers in a local area but create a printable book where people could actually keep what they did for that local area. It was printable. It was electronic. It could be used everywhere. Completely done you know, by folks on their own. There were literally dozens of such inventions. We were able to call that together and kind of think so through the, what the that So the culture means. at Wegener, is, it, it empowers the people on the street? That's just part of the cor- corporate culture? But, yeah. how, but how do you get them engaged in the first place? And then I, I can see how that would keep them engaged. But Absolutely. I would think right fr- at the beginning, it would be tough to just to get them engaged. Yeah, that's Innovation Forest. Yeah, we, we started uh, by, by getting the ideas of within the company uh, onto a platform. And uh, you want to connect with, with your audience. So you uh, don't think of an idea at the headquarters totally detached with, with your right, clients. Right, and then tell them, hey, you you on the street, do it this way. Absolutely. Exactly. Because <laughs> I thought of it, because I'm the CEO, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so, so you want to, to tap into the people that are on the, uh, the service desk. Because the, the they're the ones interacting center. with the customers Every directly. Day. So they have right. a lot of good information, and exactly. you got to get that bubbled up through the exactly. system. So they, they know how to improve internally or, or our products, because they, they talk to them, and, and they come up with the ideas. And we uh, build a platform or uh, license a platform ID scale uh, where you could uh, uh, have an ID we call it the ID forest uh, where you gather all the ideas and, and we had the ambition to gather 100 ideas from internally uh, we started in June and by the end of August we were, we were at 500 IDs. it was wow. just wow. so, so the, it was just open the floodgates like Absolutely. so they were really hungry to share their ideas exactly. it wasn't something you had to like pull out of them they wanted to share they really did was that surprising <laughs> to management Yes, yeah. it was, because um, we believe the best ideas come from a company's front lines. But we were just starting with this company, a new CEO, right? and we were announcing a massive downsizing of the company. And at the same time, we were in, introducing an innovation program. Right. So we were not the most popular kids <laughs> on the block. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we needed this platform because the hypothesis was we should be able to have good ideas inside of our company. Let's find out. And so we opened it up. We got 500 ideas, and it was overwhelming. And then How many did you think you would get? Well, Dur- I think there's yeah, about uh, 100. We, oh, you, we, so we you thought he was going for you were hoping we for were 100. We were hoping for 100 by the end of the year, and we were at 500 by, by in, August. In like wow. a few months. And then, and then we actually said, okay. So, we okay, stop. <laughs> Save some of the ideas for next year. <laughs> well, actually, with, with this fi- with, from August on, we basically went into 
killing ourselves. That sounds a bit strange, <laughs> but the thing is that what we what we ended up with are those 500 IDs. And the promise we made up front was that we would speak to every single ID submitter for at least about an hour or even wow. more. Um, so to really get to the meat of the idea, what were they thinking? Yeah. Kind of right. uh, kind of flesh it out a little bit. Yeah. yeah, our goal was to take the ideas that have the greatest possibility and to quickly move them forward. The idea, a lot of people were working on the same type of idea, like similar, but in right? different parts of the com company, but they didn't even know it. Right. So our second ob objective was connect those people to right. each other so that they're not duplicating efforts and that they can actually share So now they can collaborate. Yeah, exactly. Right. And the third was to archive the ideas that, well, don't show promise or that we didn't want to pursue. Right. And that's also important. Was that tricky? Because you don't want to, you know, kind of rain on their parade. They put time and they thought it was a good idea. But it didn't make the cut. It, it was difficult because yeah. you have to uh, say no to an ID, but the ID itself could be good. Right. But not but potentially so good that you want to pursue it because we have the luxury of having 500 ideas. Right. So, so maybe it was more not now than no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But letting discussions go on, c c go on and on and on if you are sure that you're not going to pursue it or not now, that's even worse than just saying that and being honest about it. So the worst mm -hmm. thing we could do is let 500 discussions continue while we knew that we wouldn't pursue them. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. therefore, it's just saying no is better than that. Okay. But like two years from now, and you're trying to uh, generate, continue to generate ideas, some seed of an idea from now might inform that idea. And so, I mean, it's all valuable, right? So that's why you said you archived it. You didn't say you threw it away. You said no, you archived it. You archived it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And no, we we do keep an inventory of these, and and but what was important is that people feel that their their voice was heard. We did go out. We coached the the best ideas. We coached them forward. Right. And 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 the people that we didn't pursue their idea, they got a real reason why we didn't. That's great. And that's coming back to why we've forbidden the conversation of getting millennials to subscribe to the paper. <laughs> was that one of product. the five hundred ideas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was number one. There, there, were, there were several ideas from some very headstrong editors who are determined that millennials will buy the paper. Eventually, we'll, we'll yes. be able to cajole them. And we decided that was not an idea <laughs> worth pursuing. Right. So we archived it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I'm going to start using that word yeah. around, yeah. around Business Radio X a little bit. So uh, have you commercialized or where are you on the path of commercializing? Right. So now you ideas? got 100. Now what? We actually, well, to continue that story, from the 500, we uh, went through 283, uh, evaluated them fully, got um, 46, 46, 46 of them worked out into complete business ideas, wow. con concepts, and presented to the management team. Now, is it being led by the person who had the idea, or they're part of the team? How does that work? Yeah, that was uh, one of the promises we made. If you have a good idea, we truly believe that the idea owner is the one uh, so that should be uh, uh, being there, standing there, and, and be the entrepreneur. Because oh, wow. You, you know what you want and where you want it's to go. It's your vision, right? So you're trying to let them kind yeah. of have their vision come to fruition. Yes, yes. And, and we sit here as the kind of the golden triangle, basically. I'm representing marketing, and Dirk is representing technology, and Paul is representing content and storytelling. Mm -hmm. So our job is to coach and provide additional support for these people. Right. So, so you're working for them. We're working right? for them. Yeah. And they're working for us. And so from the 46 ideas that were presented to the management team, we did this kind of as a short shark tank type of concept where they had 10 minutes to pitch their idea. Right. 
and then Q&A from the management team, and then you either get investment or you don't. Oh, so then the um, the management team decides nice. which one you're going to fund and let kind of keep going. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. With yeah. our help, because besides being consultants on marketing technology and content and storytelling, our other side of our daily job is to it being basically the advisors of the bank, the bank being the management team. Right. So from those 46 ideas, 11 of them received funding. Wow. In the first six months. And... So now is management uh, in a, from a macro level, are they just kind of like, wow, this exceeded all expectations or they thought this was how it was going to go? I think, <laughs> I think they were pretty amazed by uh, the result. I think they uh, truly didn't anticipate it on uh, where, where this could lead to. I mean, because the ideas would, were really good. Some yeah, of them some, were, some of them are really <laughs> good. So, I mean, they turn into businesses. So, right. I mean, that's, that's you hope for. And and we always say, if fail fast, fail cheap, and and probably nine out of ten mm. ideas will will fail. Right. So you have to have a lot of them to actually get to a few really good ones. So having five hundred and uh, and go to down to eleven, yeah, then then you have to execute on them, and that's still a difficult part because it's still an idea. I mean, right. before you're even there. And, and you have executed on it, it takes time, effort. Now, um, how are you executing quickly? Are you using the lean startup methodology? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, Dr. Uh, lean. <laughs> Come on, Dirk. I'm Bring so it on. Lean is in. <laughs> are no, you? Are just, you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's an important thing. Yeah, so. minimal viable products. Uh, as lean, quickly lean. as possible and iterate as quickly as on yeah, what you learn. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also bring in some design thinking. I don't know if it's uh, really familiar over here, but uh, it's, it's starting to get on uh, uh, with us. It's really looking at what the consumer wants and build a product from that angle. Well, and there's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> so now talk about that a little bit. Educate our listeners about that. It's a, a, a way of uh, uh, positioning yourself. How do you want? Uh, how do you see yourself as a company? This, so what do you want to deliver? And from the other angle, what would the uh, consumer expect from you? And you work down to the middle, and then you create touch points. And on, on those touch points, there you have your business model because you know where's the demand and supply. And, and you can create a business model around it. And that's a really great way in getting your assets uh, uh, attached to, uh, or touched to what the, uh, your clients uh, would like to have. Now, I, go ahead, I just Andrew. want to take a moment that what Dirk just said, I mean, I know everyone around this table, everyone in industry, all your listeners right now, you're under pressure to innovate, to change, and to right. keep with the market. The ideas that you're hearing around this table is why I'm so impressed with what these guys are doing. Because think about it, they know what success looks like by actually having KPIs against an innovation program mm -hmm. that tied to business. They are specifically letting it come up and bubble up internally and externally. So it's a cultural reality. And then management is deciding what to invest in right. internally and externally. So just those that idea, we move beyond concepts like user experience, fantastic concept. But if you don't have the right nugget of meeting a need the best user experience in the world is not going to work as well. Right. You have to understand the need. And these guys are just, everything they've innovated is really aligned with that. That's why also before day one, um, when a team starts, we push them to, as we say, get out of the building and talk to what exactly. we also have to say, real people. So for example, if you're in one of our teams, then- well, we Yeah, why don't you share an example of one of the 11? Do, do you mind doing that or is- Absolutely. Not at all. We uh, we have four. Uh, I mean, delicious as a concept. Uh, it, it's called lekker in in Dutch. Uh, it started uh, in a great way where uh, one of our uh, journalists had a, a mother. She couldn't cook. 
she started writing about that in the newspaper and people uh, starting to recognize her on the street. Okay, I have the same problem. My mother can't cook also. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> could you give me some tips because I would like to start learning cooking myself. And she started blogging about it and, and gathering an audience. And that's why she at some po point said, okay, this is interesting. I'm going to talk to these people. Wh what do you want? And wh what should I write about? And from that point, she heard that it would be interesting to know about the ingredients and how, uh, okay, uh, what kind of meat do I have to buy and where. And then they came up with the concept to go uh, across farmer uh, farmers right. uh, and, and learn how uh, uh, they grow uh, the products and uh, how to handle uh, uh, meat properly. So it was kind of a deep dive in this subject, not just superficially touching upon it. It's, it's really getting into all the small micro elements of, of, of what this brings together. And, and, and the beauty of that, when you go deep in a niche kind of niche content like this, you're really, that's for the the true believers and the people that are really into it, right? They're hungry for every drop of that it's, information. It's authentic. It's right. authentic. And that's so important. You you, you really touch with, with your audience and, and you hear what they want that you can build upon and, and increase your uh, your business on that. And that's where also the models popped up because uh, how you make money on this. I mean, you can write on this, but you have to have some income on that. Uh, the, the Tour de Boer, it's a farmer's tour by bus. You pay $100 to be on the bus for the whole day. At the end of the day, you got a meal. So yeah, the whole experience. So you create an experience. It's not just kind of an eyeball, right? You're not selling an eyeball or an impression. You're selling an experience. Exactly. And you extend that after the day into a newspaper or online so people can read about it, mm -hmm. be part of the community because, hey, we were together on the tour. We can talk about it on a forum. Then we create a book about it. So uh, we sold... I think three and a half thousand books of uh, uh, the first. I'll bet. Yeah. And this is a hyper local. So right. as, it's, an it's American, as an American it's being in the Netherlands and looking at this company, that's where I'm amazed because we're talking about newspaper. Right. But now we're talking about digital and now we're talking about cross, Bus tours. cross media <laughs> concepts. Exactly. Right. So this lecker yeah. idea is amazing because there are workshops with the chefs that cook with the ingredients. There's a cookbook that has the chefs and the farmers together. There is a tour of the farmers mm -hmm. there are marketplaces we had fourteen thousand people show up in one little community for family day around f local farmers and local chefs we are actually working on a television format as well and so we have this in one very small location so to make it maybe uh scope it towards atlanta it could be roswell right but we're going to now scale this into 20 different locations but you're not in, doing in, the in same the, are you doing the same thing 20 different times or yes. are you doing the same one it's thing a, and it'll same, just expand to more territories it's the same platform but it's then hyper local in that each market exactly. that's exactly. that's the key right exactly. 20 different communities mm -hmm. and that's the mistake traditional media i think makes is they try to just do one thing and they just share the it with everybody the, the person who uh, uh started this we found different people in different regions regions to be the champion of it and to do that be the facilitator exactly and that aligns with wegner's um mission and is to be the facilitator of the information not just the distributor of content right right it's and true. Paul, Paul tells the story, right? Right. You go That's tell. That's what you're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> we even we even go a step further than um, than being the facilitator. We want to participate in the communities we serve, and therefore we have those concepts like delicious or lecker. Um, and that's also, I think, pretty a revolutionary step for a media company because normally 
media and news media is about standing on the sideline and describing what's happening on the right. road. We're going basically two steps further. We are becoming our participant in what's right, happening. Right, you're on not the road. an observer anymore. Exactly. And we're solving the, we're trying to solve the need. Right. To find solutions for problems and solve the need. So we're even if to stick with this metaphor of a road, if there would be a bump in it, we're trying to help the community to fix that. Right. Another great example of of the type of company that Wegener is, is back in, uh, I think it was the early 2000s or so, um, one of our journalists recognized that jogging, running, was becoming very popular. And so they started writing about it. And then people started to jog with the journalist. And then we had thousands <laughs> of people in a community running every week together. Right. And then they he said, well, what is your dream? And some of them said it'd be to run in the New York Marathon. So what did we do? We put together a training program and trained people and then brought 400 Dutch people from <laughs> a very small community in the Netherlands right. over to run the New York Marathon. And KLM, the Dutch national air, airline, supplied the 747 nice. and, a crew, and a crew from that location for us to do this. And then our Dutch citizens were able to run th and fulfill their dream. And our newspaper facilitated that happening. And these types of stories happen over and over and over in this media company. And what we are doing is finding those ideas and blowing them out and tapping into that authentic need and helping to get these ideas out in the market quickly and uh, successfully, but also to archive the ones that don't work. <laughs> <laughs> Which becomes a great research model also. And I just right. think the fact of how listening we all know that listening is important. But when you think about the fact that in six weeks, the amount of ideas that came in for this group, right. it didn't end there. I mean, they have incredible innovations in terms of internally visiting regions, talking to different people. As Paul mentioned, an hour with each person with an idea. And if you listen, there's always something there that's going to contribute to success when your mission is solving a problem. And I think that's what really differentiates. A lot of companies have programs where you can submit an idea. Right, into a mm -hmm. box a with a little commitment. piece of paper that never gets read, and they exactly. don't feel like they're being heard. And then, you know, it kind of ruins the trust. And here, you're, you know, you're building trust because you're listening and you're executing on the ideas and you're giving credit and you're letting them be the champion. I mean, that's, that's a exactly wonderful right. and innovative just on just by itself. Now, when you were an initially coming up with this concept and you're trying to pitch it to management, are they asking you kind of the old questions like, you know, what's the ROI? And they're trying to kind of monetize and things like that. And they're not seeing it about how this is a, this is kind of affecting the culture and, and it is at the heart of the company. Well, I have to give credits to our uh, CEO and, and management team that they, they, especially our CEO, saw the opportunity. It, it could be a strategic advantage you can tap into. It could be a great uh, uh, turnover revenue you can tap into, or it could be a culture effect inside or outside the company. Right. So it's uh, playing on, on multiple fields and not just going on into uh, having to make money. Of course, that's still a big sure. part of it. I mean, uh, we're not there for free, and, right. and we need to survive. And you and can't help the people unless it's funded. I mean, it, it goes exactly, both ways. Exactly. So uh, it, it needs to bring in a, a serious amount of money and tap into preferably new areas uh, uh, of interest or uh, a, a new playing field we're stepping into. Tapping into younger public, because that's, right. that's still... Uh, uh, 
of great value for the future, but also uh, new products for our current audience and, and uh, expand our portfolio, which makes it more interesting to be a member of our uh, newspapers. Our CEO is very hypothesis driven. Uh, and because she's uh, classically trained as a chemist. Uh, so a, the logical person to run a media company, right? Exactly. <laughs> it fits, fits perfectly. Exactly. So her first, hy her first hypothesis... She likes to do experiments. Yeah. So well, her, her, perfectly. her first hypothesis <laughs> right? was, okay, I'm, I'm going to start vegan... I'm working with Veganer Media now. Do they... I, 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 I think that they have ideas that we should consider. Right. So we inventoried those, and guess what? We had over 500. Tick. We have the <laughs> hypothesis proven. Right. It's like, I think that we have the ability to innovate and do things, but we haven't been exercising those muscles. So why don't we exercise those muscles? So we put those through the, 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 the business model and, and the coaching sessions, and we popped out 11 ideas. Tick, we're exercising our muscles. Now the next step is actually bringing it into the market. And that's where we're learning, do we have the ability internally do we have the skills necessary to bring things to the market, or is that where we're, we're missing? Right. And that's where we are in our own personal learning right now. But we've so far popped out three new businesses with completely new teams uh, based on internal employees being hired into new groups and supplementing with a few external people, bringing these to market. And we'll continue to do this as we work our way through the 11 different ideas. So it's always a learning process, and you have to, as an organization, ask yourself those questions and be willing to have them answered and our management team definitely asked the questions <laughs> and they they are enjoying seeing the, seeing the answers even though some of the management team wasn't thrilled with some of the answers right no we we, we have had struggles <laughs> i mean uh, one of the uh, i think big learnings was uh, sports as a topic was really interesting to tap into uh, but if you talk to the whole management team, uh, everybody had a different idea on how that would be executed and what the specific right. product would be. Uh, and it w we're struggling in finding where we want to go. And, and I mean, the, the, the idea owner had an idea and wanted to go in some direction. And you talk to someone else, want to go in a different direction. And I think with all the other ideas, they practically accepted what the idea was and saw the potential. But for sports, is everybody has an opinion about it and has a different idea about it because sports is so broad. So it, mm. it could be multiple ideas. And it, it, yeah, I think that we, we start as a company struggle there in how, how to move forward. But this, this process seems to allow this to kind of let it evolve naturally, you know, right? That somebody's going to take a leadership role and say, look, this is, I believe in this, and this is what I'm going to push, and I'm going to build a team around trying to make this happen. Just like the people who didn't make the cut and their idea was archived. If I didn't make the cut and I thought I had a good idea, I'd be sitting there. I wouldn't just stop. Yeah, I'd but, still but be at, trying to make it happen. At some point, we will have to pull the plug. I mean, right. it's like... Uh, it's but it has it to perform, yeah. right? Uh, these are ideas, and that's part of ideas and hypotheses is some of them don't come to fruition, and you got to move on. But that, yeah, that, exactly. That is the learning. On sports, everybody has an idea of what it should be, but no one is the owner Right. of the sports business or the sports idea. So we need to find one. Mm -hmm. And and we can say, you know what? You guys work it out. Go battle until somebody comes up victorious and then let uh, build the team and right. try to make something happen. But don't work, don't do it yet until, <laughs> until we have, you the have, vision, that. Until we right. have the vision. Otherwise, we're just spinning our wheels. Right. And that's what media companies often do is they just spin their wheels. Right. And that's what we're trying to change. And what's great about that, I think, too, is 
think of how hard it is for any organization to keep that alignment going and to find that single owner right. and drive things through. The success of not only collecting and listening to the internal audiences, but the success of these new businesses is then breeding more opportunity to go in mm -hmm. and listen to employees and show what a model of business success looks like and have an open discussion about how did Lecker or the delicious piece, how did that come to be? And why is it working? And why is it expanding? So more ideas that will come in in the future are better informed right. and more likely to form an owner and other pieces as Brent was discussing. Right, you start so you learning what are the key components that must be there in order for this to right. be to execute positively. All done and defined by the communities right. and the cultures internally and externally. And I think that's what's great because so many times a, a platform, it was designed to have a conversation. And that's what's very different about their idea platform and others you may have seen. They put the commitment behind it to talk. Then they put the commitment to keep going into these local markets or meeting with their people in different ways. And that's what's leading to these new ideas. And it's almost a, a great way of, uh, almost a living lab, if you right. will, of what new money-making ideas could look like. So now, how, how did you get connected with this crew? That, that must be an interesting backstory. <laughs> yes. back and maybe I should have asked it from, from you mm. and from them because there may be two different stories. <laughs> I can step outside. <laughs> Do you want the truth? <laughs> <laughs> but we'll start, Go ahead, Brent. We'll, we'll, we'll start with you, yeah. Well, I was, I was lucky enough to meet Brent uh, several years ago. He's always worked on really large, change-oriented global programming and usually takes on really difficult and interesting assignments and is able to come. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing because it's very, very difficult to come in, create what we're calling innovation, but have it not be about you being the hero. Mm. It's about how you make other people the hero. And I think that it was really interesting to work with him in the past and see that happen. So whatever the obstacle was in that case, a 16-country rollout of language learning software and what that could actually look like on – very interesting um, budgets and scales <laughs> um, and timeframes. And it all came through and was amazing because of the way he could galvanize internal and external support. So we worked on that project and then we're able to reconnect, uh, luckily, with his knowledge of the Netherlands and his knowledge of sort of Wegener and what this could mean. Media company reinvention is certainly a fascinating topic. Sure. We were lucky enough to reconnect on this. So. I, I specialize in working with companies that are failing but need to change in order to grow. I like I like the the companies that have a lot of value, but it just hasn't. Yeah, it's not exposed. Like or the diamond in the rough kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Turn a turnaround. Turnaround. A turnaround situation. That's what I. That's the fun for me is to help a company turn around and start to grow again. And working with Andrea, in the past, has been an amazing experience. And we know that innovation is based on insights. This understanding of what is happening in the market and with, with the people you want to serve. And Andrea's ability to gather insights and frame the insights have fueled our innovations. So when I saw this coming in the Netherlands, I knew that I needed to top in, tap into Andrea's capabilities and, and thinking because what I find is that often you do not look outside your own world. Right. So in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. in the Dutch market, and in, especially in a regional basis, these people are seeing what's happening in their region. They are not knowing what's happening in Silicon Valley or maybe Atlanta, Georgia. Or right. So they're benchmarking ju uh, just right there. Right. Internally, uh, they're not seeing. They're not. They're not looking globally. And that's where the synthesis can happen, right? You can grab pieces from different things right. and then combine them together to make it something yeah. valuable there. And I know Atlantans 
also are not really thinking about what's happening in the Netherlands. And what I find can make a very special program is when you can fuel the challenge with insights that are from all other places and break people out of their typical way of, 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 of approaching something. You can go faster. You can learn from each other. We like to be a, a fast follower rather than you know the innovators that are creating the next type right. of app for Google Glass. I mean, we don't have Google Glasses, you know, pre prevalent in society at this moment. So we're not going to start already developing ideas for it. But when it is actually in mass, we need to be there. Right. Absolutely. And I think what's really important too about what Brent is saying and working with Jerk and Paul and the whole team. When you think about connecting those dots, as you said, where where you see authentic momentum, you know, if that's happening on a global level in Atlanta and the Netherlands, you can cross geographic boundaries, cross ideas, right. and find things that work authentically. And I think it's a combination of understanding human behavior, not getting so lost in new technology that we forget why people connect with each other. But we have all these amazing new technologies that help people connect even more. So when you go back to that emotional basis or why people really want to solve a problem and the new entrepreneurship that's happening, you can look anywhere in the world and have an amazing model, an amazing idea. And that's what I think has been really fun, particularly in this project, is you not only look at that and can connect the dots, but then you have a company who is willing to make that happen. Right. So now talk about uh, you're here in Atlanta. For, are you here to share what's happening with that, those 11 projects, or are you here to look for new projects? What, like, what's your reason for coming and spending so much time here in Atlanta? It, it's always connecting the dots uh, on both sides. So uh, share, but mm -hmm. also listen and see and learn. I mm -hmm. mean, there's a lot of things going on here, and we had a session uh, last Tuesday, uh, I think roughly 50 people uh, came over from uh, Atlanta, uh, different areas of expertise, different interests, uh, and just getting people together and have a conversation about the uh, same interest or uh, same way of thinking uh, sparks the conversation mm -hmm. uh, really well. And that's the, uh, basically the goal is to exchange knowledge uh, from having a knowledge economy. That sounds like uh, the business model we're, <laughs> we're heading. You almost uh, have to do that, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's something, uh, uh, what, what can you find over here and bring back to the Netherlands and, and uh, uh, give back to our uh, local uh, communities? Uh, and also what we build over there uh, could be interesting in tapping into uh, uh, technology or innovation on this end. And to add on the question, why Atlanta? Besides that Brent and Andrea being from Atlanta, um, we've also been to New York on this trip for three days. Uh -huh. And New York is inspiring and great, but sure. it's not comparable to a company like us. Going to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal is amazing to see what they're doing. But it's a completely <coughs> different scale, um, which gives them different problems and different opportunities. So being in Atlanta actually is... It's more congruent yeah. with what you're experiencing in the Netherlands. Yeah. 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 That's an excellent point, and I think why there's been so much interest from a variety of different groups that are Atlanta-based, are global. You know, We're meeting up with some great folks from the Midtown Alliance in a little bit. It's community groups, it's content groups, it's big brands, it's smaller brands. And the reason why, I think, is what Paul is pointing out, which is a great opportunity for all your listeners, I think, is how do you reevaluate what actually is similar about your business, yeah. even if it's from a completely unexpected right. part of the world? What a marvelous conversation, and one that I want to keep going. You guys are welcome in my studio anytime, and I'm, 
<laughs> I'm quite sincere, Andrea. We got to keep this conversation going because it will continue to to evolve. Uh, and one of the things I want to dive into next time we get together, I am really personally attracted to this whole idea of of viewing these topics through the lens of identifying and responding to what you guys characterize as authentic demand. And I know we touched on it a little bit, but uh, that's at least a starting point for the next conversation. I, I can't Absolutely. thank you enough for, for bringing this, this thing together. And, and I'm quite serious. We've got to do it again. Here, the Netherlands, New York, I don't care. Where, <laughs> wherever it makes All sense. All the above. Right? Sounds great. <laughs> what a blast. Thank man. you for having us. Yeah. All right. Before we go, Andrew, why don't you give coordinates for your website, your company? Absolutely. Popular genius. Um, the whole notion is pulling in genius, making mm-hmm. the connections from what's already popular. So, strangely, our website is popular-genius.com. <laughs> And uh, Wegner, where's uh, if somebody wanted to go onto your website, see what you guys are up to? Uh, Wegner.nl, uh, W-E-G-E-N-E-R.nl. I'm going to say W-E-G-E-N-E-R. You're translating it. Repeat that back. Repeat that back. So now our Dutch and English speaking listeners understand. I speak fluent Dunglish, by the way. That's a good note to end it on, I think. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all for being part of the show today. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Midtown Business Radio.